Good evening, everyone. If you have a Bible, uh, turn with me to the book of Jude. You'll find it on page 1,232, if you're using one of the Pew Bibles. And we're just going to be spending about 10 minutes looking at the last two verses of this book. So let me read to you Jude 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Well, very simply, if we look at verse 24, Judah's celebrating two things here. God will keep his people from falling and he will present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. So let's unpack these two assurances. First, what does it mean that God is able to keep you from falling? I wonder whether the prospect of a spiritual fall carries a lot of emotional freight for you because it certainly would have for Jude's first hearers. Jude's written his letter to urge believers to persevere in faith because false teachers have crept into this church and are causing people to fall away from Christ. In fact, Jude's whole letter is shot through with the frightening prospect that some who believe themselves to be secure in their salvation will fall away. They're led far from Christ and into condemnation by false teachers who promise life but deliver only death. So look with me at verses 12 and 13. Jude writes, these people, these false teachers, are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. Now note these descriptions. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Let's tease out these four images. What all four of these things have in common is that they're supposed to do something, but they don't do them. They have ambitions, but they're impotent. So what good are clouds that never rain? What good are trees that never bear fruit or seas that are so treacherous that you can never cross them? What good are stars that wander in the sky? So if you want to navigate by them, they only lead you further off course. Jude's point is that the promises of all these false teachers are like these things. They, uh, they purport to save you, but in the, in the end, they deliver nothing at all. And so when Jude's readers finally reach the end of his letter, they know the grim reality of their situation. They understand the stakes. And Jude says, over against the frightening example of those who don't make it and the tantalizing lies of these false teachers, God and God alone will keep his people from falling. Life in a fallen world is fraught with danger and difficulty. Sin and suffering cloud our minds and trouble our hearts. And so if the question is, how can you know that you will remain faithful when suffering like you've never known hits? Or when your sin threatens to tear you from Christ? How can you be sure that you'll remain faithful in six months or six years or 20 years when your worst fears are finally realized? Well, Jude says you won't find that assurance in yourself, but you will find it in God. Only God is able to keep you safe from falling before the end. But the wonder of what Jude says is that he will do it. Unlike all those false teachers, what God in Christ sets out to do, he always accomplishes. Not only that, though, God keeps his people with the ultimate purpose of presenting us 
before his glorious presence in verse 24. And this promise is all the more remarkable because of the context it's in. I think Jude's letter represents a moment in the life of this church where we can sense a kind of change of mood. So what once seemed easy now seems dark and difficult, and things are just starting to go wrong across the board. And so it's over against the prospect of real condemnation that this promise thunders from Jude's mouth at the close of his letter. He addresses God's people and promises, God will keep you on your feet. He will keep you upright and bring you into his glory. You will make it, not because you're able, but because God is able. And that word present is significant for us, isn't it? It reminds us of other places in the New Testament that use the image of a bride being presented to her groom on her wedding day to speak of Christ and the church. And look at the conditions of this meeting. We'll be without fault and there will be great joy. What Jude's talking about here will be completely different and in every sense better than everything we have ever known in our lives. I don't want to be presumptuous, but you have never known the goodness of standing before another person, let alone God himself, radically, perfectly, in every sense, free from sin. And and you have never known great joy, not like Jude's talking about. The word Jude uses for joy here, it's not not just just a feeling, it's it's not used for a, a private sentiment. It's always a public celebration. And so we can read between the lines here, and we can see that Jude is talking about the wedding feast of the Lamb. This is the day on which Revelation 19 tells us a great multitude will cry out like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. Hallelujah for the Lord our God the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. For Jude as well as John, God keeps us so that he might bring us into his own glorious presence with great joy. Lastly, then, let's look at verse 25. We've considered the work of God. Here's how we should respond. We should not only trust this God, but praise him. This is how a doxology works. Because God has done something praiseworthy for his people in verse 24, in verse 25, God's people return, reflect all of that back to him in praise. So in verse 24, God has shown his glory and majesty and power and authority in keeping us and in promising to bring us to glory. And so in verse 25, we're called to reflect those attributes back to him in praise. I don't know how you're feeling about these things, but we can tell that when Jude writes these words, he's astonished. he's, He's amazed at what it takes to sustain spiritual life. As one commentator writes, creating and sustaining spiritual life is something we cannot do at all. God alone does it. And there's an infinite gulf between those two positions, isn't there? Between our total inability and God's sovereign ability. And here we have a basis for prayer. If we know ourselves to be utterly unable to do any of this, if we know that our best efforts only result in false teaching and empty promises, in clouds without rain and stars that wandered into deeper darkness, and if we really get, as verse 24 begins by telling us, that God alone is able it would be madness for us not to pray. So this is how I would encourage you to pray this evening. Pray that God would continue to call people in this city to himself and keep them safe until they reach his glorious presence 
faultless and joyful. And as you pray, because this is a doxology, you ought to pray doxologically. You ought to praise and thank God for what he has promised to do. Praise and thank him because he is already keeping us today safe and leading us forward to that great day when we will be united with Christ because of his work on the cross. So let me close with these words from Charles Spurgeon on our passage. Revolve in your mind that wondrous word, faultless. We are far off from it now, but as our Lord never stops short of perfection in his work of love, we shall reach it one day. Saints will not be out of place in heaven. No, their beauty will be as great as that of the place prepared for them. Oh, the rapture of that hour when the everlasting doors shall be lifted up and we being made fit for our inheritance shall dwell with the saints in light. Sin gone, Satan shut out, temptation passed forever and ourselves faultless before God. This will be heaven indeed. And so let us be joyful now. Let us be joyful now as we rehearse the song of eternal praise so soon to roll forth from all the blood-washed hosts. Amen.